Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime. MC here, and today we're tackling a, an interesting issue, well, topic, understanding fans and fandoms. So, for anyone that doesn't know, a fan is someone who loves particular franchise or property of entertainment and basically enjoy it for what it is and how it comes out to the public in whatever means it comes out. They enjoy the content and they follow along the content and they buy the content. That's usually what a fan is. They liked it and they support it in some official capacities. And then you have a fandom, a fandom is a group of fans that belong to a particular franchise or entertainment property. And as such, they form a fan base. And the fandom is what we call the fan base. The group of followers and fans that build it up and actually become its own entity. So... With further ado, let's dive into more of the uh, understanding fans and fandoms to the subcultures and sociology of how they work. So, with this in mind, you have to know that for fan culture or fandom, it's a term in which describes communities built around a shared enjoyment of a, an aspect of popular culture, books, movies, TV shows, bands, sports, or sports teams. Fan cultures are examples of what we call um, participatory cultures. These participatory cultures involve fans acting not only as consumers, but also as producers and creators of some form of creative media. The most fan cultures, including sports fans and sports music groups, have elements of positively culture, media, fandom, in particular, particular, uh, in particular, encourages uh, creative expression and artistic production by its participants. So, there's relatively low barriers to artistic expression and civic engagement. There's strong support for creating and sharing one's creation with others. There's some type of informal mentorship in which the most experienced members pass along the knowledge to new people. Members who believe their contributions matter. Members who feel some degree of social connection to with one another and care about members' opinions about their contributions. Now, in fan cultures... The creations and artistic expressions take the form of fan fiction, fan art, fan videos, cosplay, folk songs, and other interactions with a person, group, or fictional universe. Fan fiction consists of stories written by fans of a particular work of fiction rather than the original creator. Fan fiction is interesting because it's a subgenre of fandom that explores more of that such fandom, but in more 
loose terms and what they can do and how they interpret it. We also have fan videos or fan vids that sets clips of a movie or TV show to music or abstract construct a narrative using clips from multiple source materials. Now, folk songs are a type of folk music used with science fiction, fantasy, or other fictional universes as a subject, which is also going to nordcore music. Cosplay is the practice of wearing costumes or other clothing and accessories in an attempt to portray a fictional character. You dress up as the character and you show off your passion for that character. Modern fan culture originated with Star Trek fandom in the 1960s. At the time, fans generally spread their creation through fan zines or conventions. Recently, the internet has allowed fan culture to become more widespread and more accessible. Rather than submitting a work of fan fiction to a zine, where if it's accepted, be photocopied along with other works and sent out to a mailing list, modern fans can post their work online. So, a brief thing about fan zines. Fanzines is a like a small little pamphlet-like comic that you hand out to people and they look at it and they read it and enjoy the content of it. It's very specialized industry. And conventions are events that fandom or people of multiple fandoms can go to to celebrate that particular passion and find other people like-minded for that passion. So if it's anime, you throw the anime. If it's anime, comics, and TV, well, you can have a mix of different worlds coming together. And now also, now today, uh, that mailing list of zines are not really heavily used as much. You just post it on Instagram and people can find it. And then you have a free publicist publishing uh, promotion piece on your own account. Media, uh, let's see. Particularly scout culture with consumer culture suggests that fans post, poach from popular media, appreciating ideas from the text and rereading them in creative ways for their own uses. One theory of popular culture holds that the corporate cultural industry, media producers such as TV networks and film studios, prioritize the profits, the profit at the expense of quality. And that pop culture is a form of uh, higamu used to spread dominant ideologies. However, the theory of particular particularative culture suggests that rather than being cultural dopes, social misfits, and mindless consumers, media fans can be understood as active producers and manipulators of meaning. Fan interaction with media becomes a social activity, and this possess uh, this possess, uh, process allows them to build their own communities in which they can express themselves. While doing so, they create spaces where they can critique uh, ideas of gender, sexuality, and other norms prompted in the part of the media industry. We th- uh, theorize participative participatory culture can be a form of resistance. For example, fan fiction, fan videos, and folk songs often explore themes and aspects 
of the source material, which are of interest to the female-dominated parts of the fan community, going beyond the stories that the male-dominant is interested in or willing to tell. Fandoms are very extensive, represent a critique of conventional forms of consumer culture, but also providing a space in which fans may articulate their specific concerns about sexuality, gender, racism, colonialism, militarism, and force of force conformity. Not only do fans actively generate their own creative material, but they often do in ways in which could take the, the media they are consuming. So, what we have is, uh, they consider themselves less than geeky, but this is like the hierarchy of geek. So we have science fiction, fantasy, authors, and artists. And then, when you dive down uh, science fiction, fantasy, artists, and authors... You have science fiction and lit- science fiction and fantasy literature fans in that category. Then you have subtopics like video gamers, uh, role playing gamers. Then you have live action uh, role playing games, and then you have thirteen year old gamers of any sort. And then what you do is you have Heelan fans, then you have Piers Anthony fans, people who read books based on science fiction, TV shows, people who refer to a group of TV shows based on books as my collection. Then you have like amateur science fiction slash fantasy writers, then you have fanfic writers, erotic fanfic writers, uh, fanfic writers who put themselves in the story, erotic fanfic writers who put themselves in the story. So, all of that is interesting because it, it it shows that different fandoms have different levels of the subculture in which fandoms are built and fans are dominated those areas. So, the social hierarchies exist between and within fan cultures you know, you can lead the judgment. Members of any subgroup tend to have a general consensus regarding which behaviors are acceptable, which behaviors constitute true fans or desperate overconformers. This dynamic is represented in the geek hierarchy, where members benefit themselves by displaying commitment. Too strong an investment is threatened, even that is the very affected. Socially defines fans and geeks. For example, a Star Trek fan who gets to who goes to a fan convention might consider herself more geeky than someone who's more in, whose involvement with the show ends at watching it, but less than geeky than another Star Trek fan who seeks Keton, a language of ones of the show's alien races. See, defining a place for oneself in fan culture depends on navigating the fine line between professionalism, consumerism, expertise and commitment so that's what uh, some uh, social hierarchies and geek hierarchy can lead to so it's like different sub tropes and one's higher than the other but they all 
trace off back to the main branch and then subcultures from there. Fandoms and identity. Participation in fan culture is often gendered and a given fan activity place internal hierarchies is correlated to the gender of the participants. For example, the vast majority of fan fiction writers are women. Generally, the transformative activities such as screen fiction, fan art, fan vids, are associated with female fans. Conversely, creative or affirmational activities such as memorizing trivia or collecting merchandise tend to be associated with male fans. Though the two types of fan activity are not mutually exclusive, and though some people of genders engage in any given form of activity, the gendered stereotypes with each type of fandom is reflected in whoever engages in those activities or treated as serious fans. One thing I don't like, you could be a casual fan, serious fan, doesn't really matter which level of fan you are, so engage in how you want and how far you want to go. That's my opinion. The largely female com- com- composition of media fandom reflects a historical historical split within the science fiction fan community between the traditional male-dominant literary fans and the new and more feminine style of media fandom. The split is reflected in the creative output produced by primarily female fans. Fan fiction often brings female experiences into source texts, which are generally written by and about men of the terms and norms of gender and sexuality. And let's see uh, how gender informs the perceptions of particular fan behaviors. Not only do certain branches of the subculture, such as those engaged in fan fiction, become totally unfavorable towards a particular gender, but they also the way in which media depicts female fans cast them as desperate and disgraceful. This is, see, female fans enjoy the content how they want. I don't see anything wrong with creating new and transformative content in fan fiction, fan videos, and other source materials. They want to do that, that's up to them, and anyone can do that. So, just keep a note, yes, this is a gender and identity problem. This is usually people viewing from the outside that's typically given these categories. So the television show Supernatural, whose famous is primarily female, depicts gender bias in the representation of a particular female fan at a convention. Rather than granting her character traits such as engagement, curiosity, and commitment, the episode is sexually aggressive and ominous towards the show's male. The mean-spirited and hateful representation of female fans seems strange, and yet suggests the intended viewer's subject position is clearly not of a fangirl. Okay, so default fanboy has a presumed race, race, class, sexuality. White, middle, class, male, heterosexual. This stereotype and often untrue profile of fandom potence 
is applied to many fandoms, such as the brony fandom, science fiction fandom. Why is white heterosexual males who also have the most highest status voluntarily choose to lower those social participants in fandoms? So, we shouldn't really classify it as who dominates the market. Yes, people tend to flock to what they want to do, but generally speaking, you kind of want to have a balance and diverse group of people. It can get old if you have uh, same people all the time, but sometimes that is the case, and you have to adjust to it. Um, so, all right, doing fam. Let's see, heteronormity, radicalization, and the discursive construction of fandom. Uh, let's see. Fandom participation is that it's constructed as ultimately correctable. The notion of needing to grow up is very present in our society. And this is one lens in which society often views its participants of fandoms. They simply need to grow up. Therefore, especially among white participants, family is viewed as a safe way to experiment with a new identity while still having the identity to return to the white norms from which they have derived it from. Which, you know what? I'm just going to be honest. Don't conform to society and thinking you need to grow up on fandoms. Because guess what? You can be 50, 60, and 70 and still enjoy the content you want. So do whatever you feel like it is best for you and go from there. Don't conform to society in which they're judging you based on who you look like or what you do. And then the, you know, stereotype white males is frankly inaccurate. In many fandoms, women take up rather more men make up, yeah, women rather than men make up the majority of fans, such as the Twilight, the Hunger Games, uh, and other stuff. In addition, women often make up the majority of transformative works centered subsect of fans, even for media aimed at men. For instance, women were the primary drivers of the early Star Trek fandom, which is generally considered to be the first modern media fandom. Similarly, many people of color do participate in fandom. However, in case of where the original source material is non-Western, the existence and contributions of fans of color are often less recognized than those of white. Which is, you know, it can be... Maybe pushing out more representation of minority is something to consider. Is that always the case? It's up to the person doing the material. If more people want to be activists and publishing such material, then do that and be in that field to reach a minority audience. Media. Okay, so. Fandom as a consumer culture. Alright, so, when you work on a fan and particularly culture, when you do this, it often comes through the production and consumer 
consumerism that fan culture criticizes. Although fandom has generally bifurcated its participants in a moral dualism of good fandom versus bad consumption, it's a less divided classification of fan culture. Several different fan cultures have turned those who have subscribed to traditional workings of capitalism into the other. People who buy too many items automatically lose authentication by contributing to structures that align too strongly with dominant capitalist society, therefore ailing themselves from supposedly committed fans. Conversely, we are presented with the view of fans as specialist consumers whose fandom is expressed through keeping up with the new release of books, comics, and videos. Therefore, fans must potentially occupy a space in which they carve out their own unique identity, separate from conventional consumerism, but also bolster their credibility with particular collector items. The the negotiation leads to the dichotomy between the use value and exchange value, or the difference between the symbolic significance and monetary worth of an object. Although the two concepts seem based in opposition, they're inherently related and dependent upon one another. When you use the example of popular children's fable, the uh, Rare Teen Rabbit, a child's toy that undergoes considerable wear and tear throughout the year, but still folds significant in the eyes of the beholder, the rabbits no longer contain the merit and its capacity to be traded and therefore lacks exchange value. This child seems deemed valuable because of the emotions and regulations attached. This also suggests that fan subculturists must accept a polarity as an internet contradiction. However, instead of use value and exchange value existing in stark contrast, the two concepts overlap and inform one another. Due to many objects being intensely and subjectively valued by fans, such as commodities, new exchange value that's created to the durality of fans' attachments, participants usually fall somewhere on the spectrum of consumer and producer, creating monetary value with their overinvestment in specific objects while also forming resistance against the typical trappings they find in consumerism. So, the fandom gift economy. Gift economy, not based on money or explicit exchanges of goods and services, but, but on giving, receiving, and uh, replicating. So the process of gift exchanges in which it makes it possible to experience and analyze fandom as a community or rather overlapping series of communities rather than something a large shifting number of people in the same affinity space. In fandom, the most valued gifts are which that take time or skill to create. The value of those gifts lies not only in the symptom, the, the, con- the content of the gift, nor in the social gesture of giving, but in the label that went into the curation. So, fanish gifts include not only the most visible items, like fanfic, art, videos, but the wide range of creative labels that surround and some underline these art, uh, art objects, including commenting on others' art, or writing, 
volunteer one's editing skills to help a fan writer, writing recommendations or reviews, organizing online challenges, exchanging, editing zines, planning conventions, curating websites for fanish activity, or in my case, make a podcast about it, and then that's how I do talk about my craft and passion with fandom and fan-like activities with anime, geek culture, and other stuff. That's also something else that goes into play, too. Uh, the work in which goes into maintaining the, the fandom economy is the formation of fandom as a community. It's a system not just of reprocritical giving, but of circular giving. Since most of the time gifts described above are posted online, published in design, not just sent to a specific person, the entire community or whoever is interested can be considered the recipient of the gift. The concept of circular giving is the fandom economy by explaining that most fans receive more things than they produce, most read more fics than they write, or watch fewer videos than they create. It's critical to fandom's functioning because it balances out the the astri- asymmetric ideas in the other direction. Not every gift recipient will reciprocate the gift of reaction where reaction might take the form of a comment or a reblog of the work. It demonstrates how fans can contribute to the gift economy even if they're not producers through the feedback and redistribution. From this viewpoint, fandom's gift economy is not just an accumulation of continuous reciprocal relationship between individuals, but a complex system in which the regulation of gifts and by extension of reward for labor is across the community rather than just concentrated in a single transaction. This is why fans choose to participate in the subculture. The value lies not in the creation of the art or writing about the favorite TV show or movie, but in the consumption of the works by other fans and the sense of community created when gifts are accepted in the form of being read, watched, or otherwise appreciated. The concept of fandom gift economy has also been explored by other people. So, society's perception of fandom. So the role of class in the elitism in fan and precipitative culture is that the word fan comes from the word fanic, fantastic, meaning crazy. Thus, us versus them divide fan culture and mainstream society. Once defined as a deviant through the fantasticism, those who are part of a fan culture become characterized as disruptible, even dangerous. Describes the, the, the pathological fans. Obsessed loner has been influenced by the media to the point of entering an intense fantasy relationship with a celebrity figure and the f- fantasized fan who represents the screaming and crying teenagers in a crown of the roaring presidential sports fan rioting at a game. These characterizations ultimately result in stigmatizing fan culture as participants are easily stereotyped. Now, although these stereotypes are not representative of fan culture as a whole, they reveal our beliefs about modern society and our relation to it. 
So, us versus them divide. The brony fandom is one particular that is attracting stigma in this in this divide. I mean, I don't have no problem with the brony fandom. It's fine. If men want to like My Little Pony, even though it's been mainly a female demographic, that's up to them to enjoy that content. I mean, it's really up to the fans who what they want to enjoy. One theory is that morality, monetivity critique, which states that due to the perception of modern society as having loose communal bonds, modern individuals vulnerable to irrational appeals. Furthermore, society views modernness as the increasing role of mass media in our lives. Those who fall victim to the irrational appeals are manipulated by the mass media to separately display irrational loyalties to an aspect of pop culture. And with this, you have to take a note that the loyalties of the pop culture is the disqualification of members of fan culture, which is that society's fear to modernize. They do not like the idea of being taken advantage of by a marketing firm or corporation. So they ostracize who they believe have who they have been. We use fan culture as a form of psychological compensation. So, compensation, psychological compensation, mean that fans make up for the lack of fulfillment in their lives with intense focus on fictional realities. However, psychological compensation does not apply to all members of fan culture, as there is a difference between those fans who replace interpersonal relationships with media audience relationships and those participation in the fan culture is supplemental to or aid in making interpersonal relationships. In fact, you making interpersonal relationships with those who are part of a fan culture also aids in fan culture's participants, the stigma and management. Members of the fan culture can refute the stereotype of the obsessed loner and argue that fandom is a social experience, therefore lessening the stigma associated with the fan culture. Even so, instances of excessive fandom, fandoms act as a surrogate relationship and often characteristic of socially isolated members of society. So, within fan culture, the fans, fantics, and deviants, where fans seek identity and connections with via subject, fantics view this subject as an important aspect of identity, which is integral to their self-esteem. Uh, fans who have labeled themselves as deviants have lower self-esteem worth and have result prone to role engulfment. The tendency to use the deviants to relate to the fandom as a way to organize a concept of self-identity. So it's a very fine line between a new and normal fan and excessive fandom. And this class is when the difference between reality and fantasy becomes unclear. When this becomes unclear, usually the excessive fandom is like you can't differentiate between what is real and what is the fictional narrative and the, the fandom gives you. It happens from time to time, but 
that's just like anyone else diving into work and sometimes they only think about work so workaholic is like a fandom excessive person it's just the same thing so the us versus them divides that there is assumed dichotomy between reason and emotion other members of society can be interested as subject as fans but the subject and the approach to what division is the two a person who is passionate about an academic subject can just be as passionate about that subject as a member of fan culture however society views academia as a rational interest held by educated high class members of society whereas society views fandom as an emotional obsession hold by uneducated low-class members of society, which is therefore dangerous. So, when this often comes in in consideration, what we have is what people view as acceptable and what is not. Fandom doesn't matter if society views fandom as being acceptable or not. Fandom is your place to do what you want to do in the medium and express how you want to express it. How you engage with it is how you engage with it. How you find where you fit in is also a form of self-identity. You practice in the medium and where you benefit the most in doing your passion that, you know, there was lives around that particular fandom or even exploration of that particular fandom. For me, the way I engage in my fandoms is through watching other people talk about it. I am the type who watch videos not on non-stop about One Piece, Yu-Gi-Oh content, um, game theory, and uh, other YouTube videos. But my YouTube feed is predominantly One Piece, uh, anime, Pokemon, the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Trading card game. Sometimes comics come up. Movies come up. Uh, I used to be into BuzzFeed. WatchMelder.com. And all this other stuff. But basically. Let's take a deep dive with. My particular fandom interest. So One Piece. Huge fandom. Thousand plus chapters. Real building of pirates. Going for the One Piece. And the world government being the antagonist. The world government is a shady organization that basically gets any knowledge of the Void Century, which is 800 years ago in the present anime. It's basically not allowed to be studied and erased from history. That's their attempt to keep control of the world balance. Okay? Pirates are in the way of that. And they jeopardize 
the ideals of the government, the world government, and then also the revolutionary army going against the world government to basically rebel against them. So, it's kind of interesting how it works out. The fandom... One thing I really like seeing with the fandom... The world creates fan theories like crazy. I've seen a couple fan-related theories about... Who is the One Piece, the World of D, and all this other stuff. So, yeah, I see a lot of fan made videos, I see a lot of world building experiences with it, arc, parallels, people do a deep dive in everything One Piece. It has so much to offer, different races, structure system, a government system like warlords, which are legal pilots by the government, the marines, then you have the uh, vice admiral, then you have the admirals, then you have the fleet admiral, then you have the uh, Gorosei, then you have the ruler above the Gorosei, and that's how they're structured. Pirates, most of the time though, as you have the warlords, the average run-of-the-mill pirates, the four emperors. So that's how that balance is done. And then you also have like the vice the the co-captains of the Yonkos and all that stuff. But basically my point is this. Within fandom there's so many different things to consider when you dive into that subject. Me, I can dive into all kinds of fandom, all kinds of related activity, and actually do understanding them the fans and the fandom that drive it really create a strong sense of identity with it. Now, let's, exp you know, Star Trek slash Star Wars. Star Trek is really popular because it popularized the idea of fandom activity and to, you know, come together and just be a driving force to be a group of a, as a collective as loyal fans to the franchise, stuff like that. They're very devoted. They dress up. They, you know, take on the roleplay aspect, which any fandom has a roleplay aspect. But Star Trek is more known for that since it kind of popularized the idea of fandom as a event to spectate and enjoy with other like-minded individuals. The phenomenon of which Star Trek created basically made its effect throughout the world. Just like, you know, how a musician will go on tour and people will go to the concerts. That is a fandom. That is a loyal group of fans that are engaging in the concert scene to enjoy their singer. VIP and all that stuff. And you, you know, when you consume music, you buy the CDs, you buy, you buy it to download, you pay a streaming service to maybe go ad free and then listen to the music you want. 
but you're consuming that media and as a result you are experiencing fanhood as I call it in a different light than someone going to a convention a concert is a big group of gathering and not many people judge a concert but they don't judge a convention so the concept of a gathering place for fans is what a convention is so other forms of gathering places like a football game for example everyone goes in the stadium and watches it on the TV that's how they practice that particular uh, notion for the game they watch it they enjoy it as spectators but also some people enjoy the it as playing the game as well you can integrate yourself into a game itself and you're exploring that passion through playing it through actually doing it well the spectator can only watch and get you know excited about what is happening and follow along and keep up with the stats and everything else associated with sports. See, the way people enjoy sports is mainly speculation. They spectate, watch it, and they follow their favorite team. They follow their favorite team or teams, you know, they may have multiple teams because you know you have this basketball but you also have professional and you have the women's section all this other stuff but majority of the time sports fans are really mad at because they have gatherings which is the cookouts the gathering in the parking lot the meetups they meet up before the game have parties uh, stuff like that to enjoy the medium. So their gathering place is literally before the game or during the game at someone else's house. So, and the main contribution to uh, consumerism and sports is you buy the tickets really expensive or watch the TV and they make uh, money to the ads and the commercial breaks and then also the studios buying the rights to stream the game. So they're already making money on that. And how many views they get is also determined by a big old audience. And f merchandise. Solely most of the time, people that support are buying merchandise. See, they're buying merchandise but they critique for fans to buy such merchandise of anime and other fandoms. Merchandise sells. It is the selling point for the for the fandom. I know we go to like, I don't know, theater. Theaters are interesting because people go see the play, the you have the voice you have the acting niche. You have the light design, sound design, stage design, all of that. So you have the people who watch it, people who actually write stuff, write plays, act it out, 
to memorize lines, and then you also have the people who are part of the production. The actors, the director, the cutscenes, the writing the script, the actual imputation of the source material, because a lot of plays are based on other source materials, but they, you know, play it out and do their version and maybe make changes and get the copyright associated with it. Basically saying, fandom is so diverse that fandom culture, whether society only views a small portion of it, is really widely accepted in what is popular. Sports are very popular. Movies are very popular, and that's a big fandom. TV shows are really popular. You watch the television show. You buy the merchandise. You just by simply watching the TV show, they're earning money. They're basically earning money through the ads and you watching it. And then they create a fandom and to you know to support it after the TV show. The air, the ratings also sell the show. More ratings, more money you can get. So you are directly to contributing to the success of that entertainment medium. Movies are a really big industry because what usually happens is you go to the movie theater for the initial release to support the movie. And after a certain amount of time, the movies get released on DVD and then you buy the... uh, basically permission by the distributor to watch such medium in the physical form. And then, you know, merchandise, of course. And then also, uh, streaming apps also benefit movies. You can buy, instead of getting a physical disc copy, you can just, you know, rent it. You can rent a movie for like $3, like Redbox. You know, Blockbuster used to be... uh, Netflix with its DVD catalog, you know, kind of did stuff like that. And you can enjoy movies as a medium in the consumption of the of the property. But no, but people that you know line up for movie theaters yet again. Well, not just for society, but movie theaters is the meeting place for the direct movie release. And TV shows are the same thing. When you have premiere showings, that's the gathering place for people to watch it. You watch it with friends. Uh, You also do public screenings, which is another way to do a gathering place. You know, movie events, movie conventions, a movie conference. A contest, you know, all this stuff includes the different types of fan-made content. Like, make your own movie and sell it off and get people to watch it. Short films, all of that is a big exclusive industry that people participate in. Yeah. Reenactment. You know, if you're not... If you're the type that does role play and take it very seriously, 
and you're a big history buff, then potentially what you can do is do a reenactment of that particular event. So let's say the Battle of Gettysburg or the Battle of uh, Midway. You would act it out in a way to, you know, get on the field, dress up, take a role, captain, soldier, you know, infantry, whatever, and, you know, act it out, and, you know, and then if you get, like, hit, or you simulate death, and they take it very seriously, and also, uh, reenactment is also with role-playing, like, there was the Society of Harry Potter, when they actually play Hogwarts and actually does the game or they participate in the wizardy world of Harry Potter. And another thing, like, that's perfectly fine if you want to do it. See, entertainment values and what you do with them is totally up to the individual. When you do things and entertain yourself and practice your passion for that particular thing, Whatever you want to do with it is how you express yourself. It really comes down to what makes you happy and keeping, you know, how much you're interested in it. Are you casually interested in it? Deeply interested in it? Is it, you know, part of what you do in your free time? All that stuff is a contributing matter. To the medium, to the culture, and, you know, regardless of what society thinks, you don't have to conform to what they think. You can conform to what you think and what the people around you like-minded in the area that you participate in, in the participative culture. See, you participate in this because you choose to do it. You're not forced to do it at all. You know, you can leave a fandom just like you enter a fandom. If you don't, if you're no longer a fan of it, you can go to something else. You get to choose what you do, what you do in your time, and how you do it. Now, just keep in mind that any fandom or any passion-related activity is going to require some money depending on how much you want to be involved with it. So budget wisely when you do do a consumer consumer when you're basically the customer approach. When you're the consumer, be careful because some things are not needed while other things are just there for mere object and post, you know object value so keep that in mind when you buy stuff and participate in the medium do what you want is necessary that is key fans usually are in a sub of what is acceptable and not acceptable. 
So there's different things you can do with it and how you experience it in that culture. For example, if you, let's say, let's say you are a fan of a particular culture and you like to practice writing. That's fine. There's many t ways to practice literary techniques in speculative properties. And as a result, you create the image of what you want to do, how you do it, and everything else in between. So when you do it, just do it in a way that is good for you and not necessarily dangerous for someone else. Where you see yourself fitting in is where I tell people to go and explore what that truly is and what they like. There's different ways to do it. You can do writing, you can do collecting, you can do the streaming, you can do the trivia and get together with people of that particular fandom. You know, go to the movie of premieres, watch it together with friends, read the content, make videos about it. There's many different ways to participate in the medium that encourages that behavior and it's actually perfectly acceptable. You know, with any deep-rooted passion or skill set or interests, people often flock to it, even if it's legal or illegal, you know, that activity, they flock and do it and do it with other people. It's perfectly normal to have a social aspect to the activity and get together with people that will do it with you or that will support you doing it. It's important to have people around you that you can do it with and how everything works out. So when you think about it, it really goes to show you how everything plays out and basically serves its purpose. If you're a fan of music, books, TV shows, movies, theater, anime, gaming, video games, you play the game and do the story mode and, you know, PC gaming, low-top gaming, and video gaming or console gaming is another one. Those different retro gaming, you know, the stuff like that to enjoy. Whatever is all that stuff, or you just like one specific aspect, seek it out and see how it works for you. And then as fandoms-wise, any sports team, Harry Potter, uh, Disney, Hunger Games, um, Stranger Things, Percy Jackson, Marvel, DreamWorks, uh, the History Channel, any of that is your fandom. And that's how you belong to that fandom. You know, Discovery, Twilight, whatever you want to do in that particular area is how you do it. And go for it. Don't, 
you know, don't just be limiting yourself in what you don't know. Try it out. Maybe one day you would like the medium for what it is and how it it helps you. So keep in note that fans create fandom. The fan base of followers is the fandom that it basically builds up. And fans dominate the market in that fandom because they create the meetups, the demand for products, uh, the demand to entertain your interest in that fandom, the meeting place to do it, and at the end of the day, to express who you are in the moment and how it can be. So, this concludes Understanding Fans and Fandoms, an episode for MC Anime Podcast. And you can view our podcast where you can see podcasts near you. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Please support us on the Patreon page at Blog MC Anime. Become part of the MC Anime community and basically support MC Anime Podcast near you. Thank you so much and enjoy your day. Hope this gives more insight to what fans are and how fandoms operate. I hope to see you guys again and uh, wish you good luck and uh, bye bye.